the scribe of Jeremiah is writing, and Barak is told by God that the land and the people actually come from him. He is to remember that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry. And I'm Janice. And we are going to study chapter 45 in about five minutes' time. It's going to be a really good program. This is Bible Discovery TV program. And Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm also going to be focusing in on Jeremiah 45 and Jeremiah's scribe. Ryan? I have a riddle for us today, and it's this. Daniel says that Nebuchadnezzar first besieged Jerusalem in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign. But Jeremiah says that it was in Jehoiakim's fourth year. Now, both are right, but how? That's a really good one. Okay, we'll find out about that later. What are we doing? Riddles and questions. It's Friday, so it's our wrap-up question of the week. I can ask a question anywhere from Jeremiah chapter 26 through to 48. Jeremiah 45, 1 through 5. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. You said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up, that is, this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. Jeremiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 5. Jeremiah 45, 46, 47, and 48. You know, Barak, Jeremiah's scribe, came from a notable family. And his name means blessed. He was the son of Neri and the grandson of Masai, the governor of Jerusalem during the reign of King Josiah. He was the prophet Jeremiah's accomplished scribe, very talented. Today's archaeologists have uncovered Barak's name on a seal impression in clay that would have once sealed documents. His work for Jeremiah could not have been easy because it was hard. It was truthful. And the messages that Jeremiah was known for were real. The hard message for Judah and Jerusalem seemed to be the reason for Barak's depression that we read about in Jeremiah 45. The words painstakingly written down by Barak had literally gone up in smoke and he had nothing to show for his work. Chapter 45 stands out because we don't normally get insight into the kinds of personal messages that God gave through his prophets. In the chapter, God gives Barak a promise of life on earth and through great destructions that he would see fulfilled on the nation. This is absolutely amazing. 
I'm telling you, this is stunning. And so we need to recognize the power of this. We need to understand what God is doing here. God put this here so we could see it, so we could read it, so we could understand it. So take your Bible guide and turn to it today as we study Jeremiah 45. And uh, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the Bible guide page. It'll take you to a page where you can download it just like we printed it and have copies just like that uh, every year. And I want to thank you for your donations. They, they're very good. And we really appreciate that. Father, I pray today as we look at this scribe and the work that he did, and we understand you're speaking to him and he wrote it down. And so Lord, this is very intense for us to understand that this happened in a very evil time, but help us to hear your word and understand what you've said in Jesus name. Amen. Have you ever heard a sermon on this? It's going to be very interesting. Jeremiah chapter 45. Tell your pastor that. All right. Anyway, Jeremiah 45 verses one through three. It says this, the word that Jeremiah, the prophet spoke to Barach, the son of Neri, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel to you, O Barak, Jeremiah's scribe. You said, woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. And I fainted in my sight, or my sighing, and I find no rest. You know, Barak's pain was known by God. And the bottom line is the Lord knows our pain. I guess the thing that we need to remember is when we are suffering in persecution or we're suffering in things we're going through, physical challenges or problems or emotional problems and relationships, God knows what that feels like. He's not somebody separated from us standing over here. God understands the personal feeling of rejection. God understands the personal feeling of being misunderstood. God knows that personal feeling. So God is with us and he knows it. We need to keep that in mind. That's very important. Now we go on to verse four, and this is really interesting. Listen carefully. Thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Behold, what I have built, I will break down. What I have planted, I will pluck up. That is this whole land. It's coming down. Barak is reminded the land and the people are from God. And he has the right to take down, God does, whatever he has built. Beloved, we must remember God is Lord over everything. Everything that we own, everything that's so-called ours, everything that he is the Lord over it. If we are Christians, Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ, my free will as a human being, I've given that up. I've given it to the Lord. So I don't react like I want to react. I, I pray and I say, Lord, help me to react 
as you want me to react. Now, that's interesting because everybody's worshiping free will now. But we need to understand that we need to follow the Lord's instructions. We need to follow the steps that he has placed for us. We need to do that. And as we pray and as we read the Bible, as we understand what God has done, that's what we need to do. We just need to follow the Lord. Very important. Now let's go on because listen to this, the fifth verse. And do you seek great things for yourself, Barak? Do you? Do not seek them. For behold, take note, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. Now listen to this. This is very important. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places where you go. Huh. The gift God gives to the scribe and to us is his life and our life. We do not take anything with us except what the Lord has built in us. We don't take any money. We don't take any property. We don't take anything. We take what God has built. Now, what we've invested in our children, in terms of what they see in us, what we've invested in our friends, what we've invested in the people around us, that's the effect of what we've done. So let me ask you a question. What have you done for the Lord? I know. Because we're all investing in ourselves. What I want to do, when I want to do, when I want to do it. But what, what have you done for the Lord? Have you prayed about it? Have you seriously prayed and said, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to react how you want me to react. I want you to. We need to pray that way. So, Father, we come to you right now and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ as we're reading Jeremiah. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to follow you. Help us to react how you want us to react. Because when we invite you to build in us, then we trust that our lives will be adjusted to how you want us to live. And when our lives are adjusted that way, we'll be happier, we'll be freer, and we'll praise your name forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, these are the things that we ask you today. And we all said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. All right, so of course, Jeremiah chapter 45, we see this message 
from God to Baruch, who, though he was not himself receiving the messages of God, he was not himself the prophet of God. That was, of course, Jeremiah's role. He was still instrumental in communicating that message to the people of Judah and to us today. Not only did he write down the words of Jeremiah, but several times because, because of his unique access into the, the political courts of Jerusalem, Baruch had to go and actually read the message as well. Uh, very unpopular message. So yeah, we see Jeremiah chapter 45, this really interesting message from God to Baruch. And I wanted to focus in on Baruch and some of his other associates that we know not only just from the scripture, but also from history and archeology. span a series of bullae, which are small ancient clay impressions of signet seals, began to appear on the antiquities market in the 1970s. After a few years of buying, selling, and comparing, it became clear that these hundreds of bullae were from the same archive that dated to the end of the 7th century BC and beginning of the 6th, right during Jeremiah's life as a prophet. This time period is actually best characterized by its ending, the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon in 586 BC. The seals in the archive belonged mostly to high-ranking royal court officials, and the clay was fired unevenly, most likely by an ancient fiery destruction of the building the seals were in. These factors led many to deduce that the archive was originally in Jerusalem itself, or at the very least, in an important administrative city of Judah. The archive then would have been destroyed by the Babylonian invasion, the fire consuming the papyrus documents and strings to which the bullae were attached, baking and preserving the clay in the process. Some of the royal officials represented are the governor of the city, probably the city of Jerusalem, the overseer of the house, who was the highest official next to the king, and various servants of the king, which actually means high-ranking officers. There are three seals represented that stand out as extraordinary. The first one may have belonged to a man from the Bible's pages. That man is Elishama. In Jeremiah 36, he attempted to help Jeremiah escape the king's wrath. The Bible calls him a scribe. The bulla has the title servant of the king. The second seal we can conclusively state was the seal of a man featured in the Bible, King Jehoiakim's son, Jeremiel, who was sent to arrest Jeremiah and Baruch. The final seal convincingly identified is the most amazing, the seal of Baruch, scribe, friend of Jeremiah, and original copier of the book of Jeremiah. Man, Jeremiah always seems to go so quickly when we're studying it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to be done after this weekend in a few more days during the time period of Jeremiah at the Book of Lamentations, but lots of cool finds from this time period in biblical it, history. You know, uh, Barak is a, a really interesting, or Baruch is a really mm -hmm. interesting person. Here's a guy with Jeremiah who is not a positive prophet. He mm -hmm. is a positive prophet with God, but he's got to tell the people. A terrible and message. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so <laughs> Barak's the one writing this down. Mm -hmm. And so it's the only chapter in the Bible where God speaks to the scribe and says to him, listen, yeah. your life is going to be given to you. So just relax and take yeah. it easy. 
you know, it makes me it, it makes me wonder how many other messages unwritten there are that God gave his people throughout the history of Israel and Judah. I mean, we know when we get into the New Testament, we're going to see the gospel author saying, you know, these are just some of mm. what Jesus did in his three year ministry, because if everything was to be written, it would fill up to the sky. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's a it's a unique chapter in the Bible, but I I it makes me wonder how many other unwritten stories there are, mm. untold stories there are. You know, I was intervening in history because I I I like Barack. I really do a Baruch. I, I like him, um, and I just wonder when he uh, went on from this life mm. and he sees the Lord for the first time, mm. uh, and he and he gets to understand his holiness. And he begins to see it. I just, I want to, when we get to heaven, I want to talk to him because that would have been a shock and a half. It would have been really interesting. He has a unique um, image of God, like John did, Mm -hmm. who in the New Testament, you know, because John knew Jesus before he was proclaimed Christ. Then Mm -hmm. he knew Jesus when he died on the cross, when he rose again. And then afterwards he sees Jesus in the book of Revelation. So that's really, really interesting. All right. Well, we don't have time to talk about that all day, but go ahead, Ryan. Okay. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I have a riddle for us today and it's, it involves numbers. And here it is. Daniel 1 verse 1 says that Nebuchadnezzar first besieged Jerusalem in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign. But Jeremiah 46 verse 2 indicates that this happened in Jehoiakim's fourth year. And believe it or not, both passages are correct. But how is this possible? Check it out. Those who attempt to discredit the Bible as the Word of God often claim that there are many mistakes and contradictions within its pages. It is highly significant, however, that no such mistake has ever yet been proved to the satisfaction of a court of law, although various attempts have been made to do so. It is apparent that the critics' real motivation for this attack is based on their offense of the biblical teachings. For example, the scriptures proclaim that we are created by God, and therefore we belong to Him and are accountable to Him. This is not a popular message to say the least, and so the attacks from skeptics persist. For example, a claim has been made that there is a contradiction between Daniel 1.1 and Jeremiah 46.2. Daniel 1.1 says that Nebuchadnezzar first besieged Jerusalem in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Yet according to Jeremiah 46.2, the first year of Nebuchadnezzar was the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So which passage is correct? Actually, they both are. Old Testament scholar Gleason Archer explains how. Nebuchadnezzar was crowned king of Babylon in 605 BC, which according to the Babylonian system would have been the accession year of Nebuchadnezzar. His first regnal year did not begin, therefore, until New Year's Day in 604. But according to the Judean system, the accession year counted as the first year of a king's reign. Since Jehoiakim was appointed king of Judah in 608 by Pharaoh Necho, 605 would be reckoned his fourth year which Jeremiah, as a resident of Jerusalem, would naturally have followed. But according to the Babylonian reckoning, which Daniel, as a resident of Babylon, naturally followed, 605 would have been Jehoiakim's third year, reckoning his first regnal year from New Year's Day 607. From this it is clear to see that in reality, both statements are correct and both give the same year, 605, as Nebuchadnezzar's victory at the Battle of Carchemish. Therefore, there is absolutely no contradiction. 
So as you can see, both passages are correct since it's well known that the Babylonian culture and the Judean culture reckoned time differently. Although skeptics love to quibble over apparent Bible contradictions like this one, the reality is, is that there really are none. It's important to remember that when we look at the Bible, we're reading it as a person, a single person. It's easy to cast doubt and to proclaim things. But when you understand that the Bible is written from different perspectives, but God is all the same, um, you begin to realize, oh my goodness, it's, it's like it's written in Hebrew, it's written in Aramaic, mm -hmm, yeah. it's written in Greek. And so you have to understand that God is speaking from all directions. I find that fascinating. Absolutely. And, and I find when there's something that's not making sense to me, I like to dig in deeper. And usually uh, I learn something uh, beyond what I expected. And that's the way it is. So it's, it's, I don't just assume that the Bible's wrong. I assume, okay, something's going on. I'm not understanding something. I don't have a full view of everything. So that's kind of, that's the way our attitude should be. And, but in yeah. order for you to do that, you have to make the assumption that the Bible is right. Yeah. Or you have to make the assumption that the Bible is authoritative. There are a lot of people who make the assumption the Bible is false. Yeah. And they but, go from that yeah, perspective. Yeah, but even just giving it the time of day, I find like when you when you when you realize that the Bible was written purposefully and then updated, like edited together purposefully, maybe give the writer the benefit of the doubt that they're actually mm -hmm. making sense instead of just jumping, jumping on it and going, oh, that doesn't make that sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Going, you know, trying to reconcile it. That's just, that's what we do in conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. If someone says something that I don't understand, I don't just go, mm, that was a contradiction. I go, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Right? What do you mean by that? That, that just be a very weird way of communicating to people. So that's what we need to do with this. But in this culture totally. today, though it's it's easy for us to do that because we're trained we came from nothing mm -hmm. or we came from slime so we've gotten smarter and smarter and smarter so now we're the smartest we've ever been and all you have to do is watch the news and realize that's not true because you see all of the threats going on with the wars and all of that so the the reality is that humility mm -hmm. in reading the bible is important and humility is really something that we need to consider when we read the Bible and understand what God's word says, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very important. And you don't, you, I mean, scholars are an amazing resource, uh, you know, their writings and their study and their, and their work, but you don't have to be a scholar in order to That's understand the Bible, mm -hmm. you, you know, approaching it. You don't have to be worried about reading the Bible. You don't have to be stressed out about studying the Bible. If you don't understand something, it's like having a conversation, right? You just ask questions and then look for answers. And there are great scholars who have written popular works and, and there's all sorts of Bible commentaries that can help you. And even just a lot of times, even just asking questions of the text mm -hmm. and then continuing on to read, you know, jot it down, continue reading. And eventually you're going to figure it out. You're yeah. going to get your answer. It's like having a conversation. Yeah, because chances are, if you have this question, somebody long ago has yeah. had that same question and has already gone through all that work. So like Corey's saying, you know, many scholars and many theologians have, you know, have mm -hmm. had these discussions and you can, you can learn a lot. What are you doing mm -hmm. this weekend? Uh, we all, we, me and my husband release, uh, the weekend show, Bible Discoveries, the weekend show, where we discuss issues that pop up as we're reading through the scripture. We also discuss viewer questions that you guys send us. If you want to check that out, it's, uh, on my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babechko. Corey Babechko at YouTube. Excellent. Question. 
Yes. Here is the question. Here's the the question. question. You guys ready? And this may not be easy to some. Just so that's a warning a precursor. to all the people who are ready okay. yes. on the Friday for the question. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because Jeremiah 26 to 48, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of things that are happening in here. Yes. But here's where I narrowed it down to. And Corey and Ryan will be on the hot seats today. So this is back when Jeremiah is in prison and his cousin comes to him. Right. Because Jeremiah had the right of inheritance and the right of redemption mm-hmm. to buy his uncle's field in Anathoth. Right. I'm with you so far. You're with me so far. <laughs> so I'm glad. Ooh, I'm glad we'll that see. you're with me so far. How much did he pay for the land? Right. How much did he pay for the land? Because he did agree to buy it. He did. Signed the deed. This is a great question. A closed, mm. a closed deed, an open deed. Did he pay seven shekels of silver for the land? Did he pay 17 shekels of silver for the land? Or did he pay 27 shekels of silver? I love this. This is a great question. So only one of those. You is know, the right don't answer. you? I do believe so, we know. So it you feels, guys are it feels smart. very confident. On this end. I, I, I sense confident. the confidence. It's, yes, not, it's not an easy question. No, it is not. All. What so, about you at home? Do you feel confident about your answer? Do you have one that you have narrowed down? Seven, 17, or 27 mm-hmm. shekels of silver for the land in Anafoth, the field. I think I remember this one. Okay. So I'm pretty confident. Mm-hmm. I hope that my confidence is not misplaced. <laughs> We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out, guys. Okay, I think it's 17. And Ryan, you're I you're concur with that. Yep. And you think you're 17. you're with them? All right. So that is absolutely the right answer. Nice. It is 17. Let's go to it. Jeremiah 32, verse 9. This is Jeremiah talking. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and waited out to him the money. 17 shekels. Of silver. Very good. There you go. Mm. Very, very good. And I hope you at home got the answer right. If you didn't, that's okay. You can start again, fresh, next Friday with the next question. And anytime somebody asks you this question, you'll know the answer. 17 shekels of silver. You know, Spotify is a great place to get a podcast and it's where we are. We've been there for several years. And if you want this program to be sent to you every day, then get on Spotify and subscribe to Bible Discovery TV. Very, very important. Just remember that. Today, let's pray. 
Lord, I desire to serve you as I seek your ways in my life. Now, Lord, I know I want to seek my ways, but help me to seek your ways in Jesus' name.